Very familiar portion of scripture to begin, John chapter 14, John chapter 14, and I want you to look at a very familiar verse, probably the second most familiar verse in scripture, the first being John 3.16, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. We're going to focus on the I am part of this verse a little later. But he said, I am the way, not I'm going to show you the way. Jesus said, I am the way and I am the truth and I am the life. And no one comes to the Father in heaven except through me. And sometimes you'll hear people say, well, you have a very narrow uh, message when you're saying that people can only get to heaven through Jesus Christ. And actually the answer to that is yes, because that's what God says. If you argue with that, you're arguing with God. Jesus said he came to give life. And he said, I am the way. Not I'm going to show you the way. I am the way to the Father in heaven. The Apostle Peter said, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. It was interesting, just this past week on the Internet, there were some statements made about religious leaders. And uh, before they died, they said certain things. And Confucius said, I am not the way. Very interesting. I am not the way. Buddha said, seek the truth. Remember, Jesus said, he is the truth. And Muhammad said, I don't know the purpose of life. Wow. It's sad that there are those who place their faith in these religions and these spiritual leaders, quote spiritual leaders, who do not have the answer to life. Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, he does have the answer. He's the one who died for our sins and rose again, and he's alive. And we worship him today. We've talked to him already today. We communicate with our Lord and our Savior. Now let's think of Jesus Christ as the great I Am. And if you'll go back with me to Genesis chapter, um, sorry, Exodus chapter 3, I'd like for us to consider this awesome portion of Scripture when the Lord appeared to Moses. Now, this passage of Scripture is a great encouragement. It really is. Because it helps us to understand who our God really is. In fact, what is his name? And you will remember that the account talks about the Lord appearing to Moses in the burning bush. And the text of Scripture says the bush appeared to be on fire, but it was not consumed. And the Lord appears to Moses and he says, I want you to lead my people out of bondage in Egypt. Now we pick it up in 3.13. Then Moses said to God, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Beautiful portion of scripture. 
the God that we worship, the God that we are acknowledging this morning, we're in his presence, we're here to honor him, he is the great I am. Uh, in the Hebrew, there are two phrases that are exactly the same. In Exodus 3.14, he refers to himself as I am. In Isaiah chapter 42, verse 8, it identifies God as Lord, capital L-O-R-D. Or in the Hebrew text, it's Yahweh. Okay? And so the point here is this. This is the God that we worship, the eternally existing one. He referred to himself as the I Am. This is very significant, it really is. The word Yahweh, or translated in your Bibles, stay with me now, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, comes from a Hebrew word that means to exist or to be. So the God that we worship right here today is the eternally existing God. He has always existed. He's the self-existent one. And we'll go into some ramifications about this. But if I were to stop here and you say, well, you're kind of getting a little technical this morning. Not really. I'm saying what the Lord said to Moses, to us, that we are to remember that our God is the I Am. And, and you know when you stop to think about it, the things that are going to keep you encouraged as you move along in your Christian life is your knowledge of God, and yes, we're going to talk a little bit about the names of God, and your knowledge of God's character. And God's character is revealed through this one name. He's the I Am. In other words... Stay with me. God is self-existent. That means he was never created. He always was and he always will be. He's self-sufficient. He doesn't depend on anything. He's self-directed. He's free to do whatever he pleases. In fact, Ephesians 1.11 says that he works all things according to the counsel of his own will. And that verse kind of ties in with the truth that God is sovereign over our world. And yes, there are a lot of things that happen that we don't understand why they happen. And sometimes it gets personal. I don't understand why this happened to me or someone in my family. But yet, the way we're going to be encouraged is to constantly view and understand who God really is. He's the I Am. He's the self-existent one. He's the eternal one, the one that always was and always will be. He is the consistent one. He is who he is. He said, I am who I am. He's an awesome God. And I'm going to repeat myself here. If you and I want to stay encouraged in our walk with the Lord, it would be very good for us to constantly remind ourselves of the not only names of God, but the attributes of God. I listed some down. Stay with me on this. God is all wise. In other words, he never has to be counseled by man. We need counsel from time to time. God never needs to be counseled because he's the all wise one. And uh, sometimes when we think, well, you know, I don't understand why God allowed what he allowed. He's all wise. 
He's in sovereign control. This helps us a lot. He's compassionate. In fact, in the Exodus chapter 34 passage, where Moses wants God to reveal himself and his glory to pass by in front of him, God says, I am the compassionate one. I care about you. And, you know, sometimes things can come into our lives where we wonder, does God really care about us? He does. In fact, the Apostle Peter was the one who wrote in 1 Peter, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. And uh, this is easy to say <laughs> on a Sunday morning when we're all agreeing together. We love our awesome and wonderful God. But boy, when the trials come along. So what are we saying? We're saying we've got to always allow our understanding of the characteristics of God to override the trials that come along in our lives and experience. You and I worship an awesome God. He's the I Am. He's all-wise. He's compassionate. He's faithful. Uh, in fact, Lamentations 3.23, you want to get encouraged? It says His mercies are new every morning. Great is His faithfulness. The Lord's going to be with you just as much tomorrow as He's with you today. Now, a trial may come along tomorrow, but His mercies are new in His grace every day. Great is His faithfulness. He's holy. And when we talk about the holiness of God, we're talking about the fact that he's set apart. He's set apart from sin. He's absolutely righteous. That means he can't make any mistakes. And you see, again, we get this in our mind and thinking, and it helps us when trials come along, when things we don't understand. We've got to realize that, well, we just heard him sing in VBS. God's watching over us, and he promises never to let go of us. He's going to be with us. Take a couple more. God's immutable. He doesn't change. We change from time to time. <laughs> we change our attitude towards things. God never changes. He's awesome. He's immutable. He's merciful. He's righteous. He's sovereign. He's a triune God. These characteristics of God. Now, if you would go over with me to John chapter 8, please. John chapter 8. And we're going to notice the Lord Jesus Christ identifies himself as the I Am. John chapter 8, and we'll pick it up at verse 56. John 8, 56. Jesus is speaking, and he said to the Jews, the Jewish people that were around him at that time, listening to him, Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. Wow, Abraham had died hundreds and hundreds of years before this. Watch now carefully. Then the Jews said to Jesus, You are not 50 years old, and have you seen Abraham? And Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, certainly I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. He's the I am. He always existed. He's always been there. He's with us today. He will always be in the future. He is the I am. He's the great I am. And of course we read following this verse 59. Then they took up stones to throw at him. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. Going through the midst of them and so passed by. Why did they pick up the stones? Because Jesus of Nazareth claimed to be God. And he was. God the son. He's the great I am. In fact this John 8 passage is so helpful to us to understand. In 824. 
Watch what is stated here by our Lord himself. 8.24 Therefore I say to you that you will die in your sins if you do not believe that I am. You will die in your sins. It's a huge statement to make. Those who do not believe that Jesus Christ is God the Son will die in their sins. Thank the Lord that the Lord opened your spiritual eyes to see that Jesus died on the cross for your sins and he is God the Son. Now remember, many religions today, oh, they'll show respect to Jesus, but they will not honor him as God the Son. And we must absolutely do that. Very interesting. Jesus says, I am. In fact, there are seven I am's in the Gospel of John, and I believe it's beneficial for us to just hear them again. You say, well, I can read them. Yeah, you can read them. But what encouragement it is to us to hear that Christ is the I am, and he is what he is. He is these things in order to show us that he will minister to us as the I am. In John 6, 48, Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. In John 8, 12, he said, I'm the light of the world. In John 10, verse 7, he said, I am the door of the sheep. In John 10, he said, I am the good shepherd. All right, let's stop there for a minute. Got some more. If he's the good shepherd and we're the sheep of his pasture, is he going to take care of us? Is he going to watch after us? That should be an encouragement to us to know that, yeah, we're the sheep of his pasture. We're like, and I'm not going to go into all those details. A lot of people like to talk about sheep and, you know, how they refer to them as being. I'm not going to even say the word. It starts with a D and ends with a B. We're sheep. But he watches over us. He takes care of us. He's an awesome Savior. Shepherd of the sheep. Door of the sheep. Resurrection in the life. The way, the truth, and the life. And the true shepherd. Jesus, of course, is claiming total equality with God. Now he said... Uh, I am the bread of life in 6.35. And I want to stay here for a couple minutes. 6.35. I am the bread of life. Watch carefully now. He who comes to me shall never hunger. And he who believes in me shall never thirst. But I say to you that you have seen me and you do not believe. You see, the people of Israel at that time, the Jewish people, they saw Jesus of Nazareth with their own eyes. But they didn't believe that he was God the Son. Okay? Notice 626. Jesus answered them and said, Most assuredly I say to you, you seek me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. This, these group of, uh, this group rather of people had seen Jesus take the five loaves and the two fish and multiply them, and he fed a multitude. And so they're saying, hey, you know, this would be awesome to have this man with these powers to help us as a people to get out of bondage to Rome and help us to be the nation that we want to be. So really the point is they didn't get the point. They missed the point. So Jesus says to them, I am the bread of life. I'm the one who gives spiritual life. And they must come to him in order to have spiritual life. 
40 and 41. And this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. The Jews then complained about him because he said, I am the bread of life which came down from heaven. They just would not recognize that Jesus Christ was the Son of God who came from heaven to give them life. Let's stop here again for a minute. Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. Why did he use the analogy of bread? What's so important about bread? Well, back in that day, they didn't have the foods that we have today. And bread was a staple of life. I mean, they didn't have uh, tacos and pizza. But they did have bread. And uh, the first thing I think the Lord wanted them to follow through in their own minds and thinking was the fact that bread is necessary for life. Okay? It was an essential in that day. It was a staple. The only real staple of that day. And without bread or that kind of food which was so available in that day, people would die. So the point is the Lord Jesus Christ is saying... You need me in order to have life. Wow. This morning we who know Jesus Christ as Savior, we came to the place where we saw Jesus is necessary. You can't go to heaven without him. We started out with John 14, 6. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth. And thank the Lord, whoever led you to Christ was used by God to bring you to the only one who can give salvation. Whoever brought you to Jesus, well, we thank the Lord for that person. For some of us, it's our moms or our dads. For some of us, it's pastors. For some of us, missionaries. For some, it's friends. But there were those who brought us to faith in Jesus Christ and how God used those people. And by the way, he wants to use us too to carry the message of life as we heard sung this morning. We need to carry that message of life. Bread is absolutely necessary for life. And Jesus wanted people to realize that in that day. Now, some people today, they start rationalizing and they say, well, you know, I can take care of myself. I can get by. I live in an affluent society. I have a house and a car and plenty of things. There's many, many things that I have. But the word of God is clear. What shall it profit a man if he should gain the whole world? How does it finish? Let's do it again together. What shall a profit a man if he gains the whole world? The only way a soul can be saved, a person can be saved, is through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. You cannot survive spiritually without the Lord Jesus Christ. And when he said, I'm the bread of life, he was trying to communicate that truth. You can't make it without me. Wow. That's awesome. The second thing about bread... It's necessary to survive, but it's also that which should be eaten daily to sustain us. And the Word of God is very clear that you and I, if we're going to grow spiritually, we need to draw near to the Lord every day. We need to value that quiet time, that time alone with the Lord. And I realize this is so easy to say, you know, quiet time. We do need it. We need the sustenance that comes from our relationship with the Lord. 
We're to feed upon him daily. In fact, even in the Old Testament scriptures, we see that people in the Old Testament economy also understood their need to daily wait upon the Lord. In fact, the clearest passage is Psalm 27, where the psalmist said, Wait on the Lord and be of good courage, and he will strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, upon the Lord. And to wait upon the Lord means to take our cares and our expectations to him in anticipation that he's going to do something with the requests that we give to him. That's the point of the passage. Wait upon the Lord, be of good courage, and he will meet your physical needs. No, he strengthens the inside. He will strengthen your heart. That's why the psalmist said, wait, I say, upon the Lord. So likewise, we as believers need to value that daily quiet time with him. Sometimes people ask the question, you know, here you have um, a spiritual leader, and let's create another part of the scenario here. And this spiritual leader, you know, they used to preach from the Bible, and they preached the gospel, and all of a sudden they fell spiritually. And you say, wow, how could that happen that this person could drop into immorality and sin? Well, you know, I believe the Bible does answer that. If we as believers start neglecting our time with the Lord and feeding upon the bread of life and valuing the things that the Lord teaches us from his word, the truths that we hear that touch our hearts, that remind us that God is a sovereign God, he's a loving God, he's a merciful God, he's a God in control. If we, if we neglect that, oh, well, then we'll start functioning on our own. And it's a very dangerous position to be in. Very dangerous. The next one I want to touch on just briefly. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. But then he also said, I am the truth. We have the words on the wall over here. I am the way, the truth, and the life. He's the bread of life. We need him. We need him for salvation. We need him for daily sustenance. But we need him to know the truth. We really do. Think about the lies that are taught out in our society today. This is why parents need to so pray for their children, especially if they're going into a school system where God is not honored. In fact, sometimes God may be dishonored. Think of the lies that are out in society today. There's no heaven and hell. Abortion's okay. You can change your gender. God sends people to hell. I can get to heaven by going to church and being baptized. I can do good deeds and still make it to heaven. God doesn't really care what I do. Satan might even be stronger than God. The Bible really isn't the word of God. Satan really isn't real. The church isn't really important. God really isn't good. God can't perform miracles. Saw this statement this week. Someone said this recently. Satan continues his efforts to make sin less offensive 
heaven less appealing, hell less horrific, and the gospel less urgent. Not good, is it? No, it's not. That's why Jesus said, I am the truth. In fact, here I'd like to jump with you, and I mean jump, (laughs) over to Matthew chapter 7. And look at what Jesus said here. What does the word of God say? We need to follow the one who said, I am the truth. The Bible refers to God as the God of truth. Go to Matthew chapter 7 with me. The Lord Jesus Christ often said, I speak the truth. John, when he wrote his gospel, said, Jesus Christ is the one who is full of grace and truth. Jesus said, I am the truth. Look at this very interesting account. Matthew 7, I'm just going to read it. Therefore, Jesus said, Matthew 7, 24, Whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who builds his house on the rock. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on the house and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. Verse 26. But whoever hears these sayings of mine. Now did you notice that both individuals hear what Christ says? And does not do them. Verse 26 again will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house and it fell. And great was the fall of it. Pretty clear isn't it? Boy, when it comes to the issues of life, where do we go? Right to the Word of God. And we're living in a day when there are a lot of people who will give a nod to the Bible. It's okay. It's more than that. It's the inspired Word of God. God used the human writers to give to us His very own Word. It's the uniquely inspired Word of God. You will recall that Pilate asked Jesus, what is truth? And before Jesus actually answered it, before he answered it, Pilate went on his way. The truth of God is found in the Word of God. Jesus is the great I Am. He said, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door of the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. And I vowed when looking at that verse alone not too long ago where Jesus said I am the resurrection and the life I vowed that for me from, from my standpoint it wouldn't be good for someone to have a funeral service of a loved one without hearing what Jesus said about the future you see you can take any issue of life and ask yourself well what did Jesus say about this what did he say about heaven What did he say about hell? What did he say about death? Remember Jesus said, I am the truth. (laughs) This This encourages me so much to stay in the word of God. It really does. Well, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. And the one who believes in me, even though he or she dies, yet shall he... There you go. So Christians... Believers who die physically 
At the moment of physical death, they're in the presence of the Lord, absent from the body and present with the Lord. How awesome to know this great truth. Yeah, the God that we worship is the I Am. He's the great I Am. And Jesus Christ comes along as God the Son, sent from the Father in heaven, and he says, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door of the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. He's the bread of life. We come to him for life. And we feed upon him daily. And Jesus used a phrase and terminology. It was a metaphor about eating his flesh. They didn't really understand it. But it meant to partake of him. And see, you and I, even yet later today, you may open your Bible. And I hope you will. And allow the Lord to speak to your heart through the one who said, I am the truth. Remember, it was the psalmist who said, Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he will strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, upon the Lord. Let's pray together.